We back, baby. Yeah, we are after uh, behind the oh, scenes a, a three-week we- hiatus. Oh, thought we were gonna play it off like, oh yeah, we're back for another week. Nothing nah. I, I think I think our listeners who have stuck with us for this long deserve to know when we've been away from each other for this long. I think we don't owe our listeners anything. Hot take. Well, uh, anyway, <laughs> it's been three weeks, and listeners, there's a very important update to my podcasting experience. Oh? The accent color on Skype for me is now orange. Oh. So your initials in a, with a circle around it. You know, if you look at your Skype window, it probably has my initials with a little circle around it. Right? I suppose yes. it probably has my icon, but it probably has a very... No, and all the buttons initials. and stuff have a nice, pretty Skype blue color. Nope. The classic Skype blue. No? No, I don't got none of that. What do you mean? What do you have? Maybe I just haven't updated Skype in a while. <laughs> like... I don't know what accent blue you're talking about. Like the theming of things is largely I don't know if you have like if you have darker light mode, but I'm gonna assume light mode for you. Uh it's probably a lot of white and a lot of blue. I got like purple or navy. Maybe my color balance is just way off on my computer. Hmm. Well all here, I'll I'll send you a here, screenshot. I'll- yeah, I'm working on sending you one too. I feel like this should be so much easier to communicate. I feel like once you see my screenshot, it'll be very clear what I mean. But I, at least I hope so. But now I need to find the chat. Where's the chat? Not oh, showing up. shoot. I don't know what screenshot I just took. Oh, um, chat. There we go. Ah, search, search by date modified. Okay. Anyway, I just sent you what my Skype screen looks like. Oh. And you will notice the orange. Yes, I see. Yes. So that is that is the main interface change. The the visual ah. revamp to this podcast is an influx of orange on my side of things. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I've always had purple. Is that the default? I'm just being dumb? Is this a, is this a change that you made or that was made oh, to I, you? I made it. Oh. It's under okay. settings appearance. Uh. I always thought the blue was the default. Weird. Well, I'm sticking with orange. I've also on my, so I have a MacBook that I use for work, and I have the, you can change the accent color there too. Mm-hmm. And so I've changed that to orange as well. So all the little drop-down menus, the little like arrow icon of like, oh, this is a drop-down. Typically, I think that's probably a blue, I think. Uh, but mine is orange. Wow. Makes it fun. Just makes it, it makes it a little bit more fun, you know? Get a little extra on the pizzazz. Edge. Ooh, pizzazz. So I was thinking about this the other day. If I were to open a pizza restaurant, it would definitely be called Pizzazz. Really? Yeah. Pizzazz Pizza? Huh. No, it would just be called Pizzazz. See, uh, I don't like Pizzazz Pizza, but I think I don't like Pizzazz even more than Pizzazz Pizza. Not to be Why? a downer or anything, but... But it's like pizza just slightly switched around. See, no one's going to get that. Well, okay. How about this then? Unless the logo is like the arrows showing where the letters should have been. No, that would be ridiculous. I'm not. Ma- I'm not trying to recreate an Amazon logo. Okay, so how about this? Uh, the- oh, never mind. This isn't a pizza restaurant. That's funny. Uh, so when I searched pizzazz, I came across a local local-ish store in Berkeley called Personal Pizzazz. Mm, 
What's Which, that? A hair give, salon? Given my current bias, I was assuming was like a Solo's Pizza kind of place, but no, it is a unique business clothing store. Mm. Or something. What the heck is you? Okay, I gotta look it up now. What does unique business clothing mean? <laughs> oh, but here we go. Here's a place, Pizzazz, that has various food and pizza based stuff that they sell. Or is it just a cooking? Uh, yeah, it's a more general purpose cooking thing. Well, I st- I still stick by it. I mean, I obviously I'm no entrepreneur. I would never open up a restaurant, but I, I would like a pizza place called Pizzazz. Mm-hmm. That would make me personally very happy, and I would well, frequent that's all that it. Matters here. Wait, it it's your pizza restaurant, but you would fr- like. I guess that makes no, sense. no. I'm saying I'm not saying when I I was switching from me to in general in the world i would like a pizza place called pizzazz to exist oh in reality i would not be the one to operate it i'm just saying that if i were the sort of person to make a pizza restaurant which i'm not i would like to call it pizzazz well you've really taken me on a ride here tonight and we're only six minutes in buddy (laughs) welcome back i've already been lost and refound like four times Oh, you go to the store after this. Oh, yeah, I can get some Choco Tacos? No, I wish. That sounds good. <laughs> I need some fruit. Ah, fruit. My next guess is going to be toilet paper, but fruit is good, too. Have, have I told you about my apricot experience? No. I had there... just straight apricots for the first time a couple weeks ago. Oh, like a fresh apricot? Yeah. Freaking delicious, aren't they? I, I went into my local grocer. With the intention of getting grapes, but the grapes that they had on hand did not satisfy me. They were the large red grapes. I like small red grapes. But sitting there were a, they always have these local bits of fruit in just tiny, tiny grocery bag kind of things, like tiny paper bags with a little handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this time of year apparently was apricot time. So they're apricots and it was like $2 a pound. So I figured, hey, I'll try some apricots. I've never had one, but they look interesting. They look like tiny peaches, and it turns out that's that's exactly what they are. They're freaking great. Yeah. Much easier to eat than a peach. Uh, The nice thing about small fruit like that, too, is it's less of a commitment. Mm -hmm. Like, if you have a bad peach and you bite into it, and it's just not quite ripe enough, it just stinks. You're wasting so much. And if the same thing happened to an apricot, first of all, because it's smaller, it's less likely that you'd make that mistake. But... In general, it was also just, it you know, it's less to worry about. But yeah, they were really good. Uh, I didn't eat them fast enough. Aaron didn't eat any. So about a week later, I w- went to reach into them, and they were very moldy. But uh, ah. I made my way through, like, more than half of them. Mm-hmm. So, But maybe next time I'd try baking something with them. Buddy, you got to get a dehydrator. I just, we've gone over this. I'm not a dehydrated fruit, dehydrated fruit kind of guy. Well, yeah, we got a, if you got a dehydrator, you also got, like, a mailbox nearby, I'm sure. Just mail it to me, then. <laughs> uh, I, like, there's some, I suppose maybe apricots might be the exception. Aaron has some dried mango. It's mm. very sweet and pretty good. So maybe an apricot yeah. would be more along those lines and be fine for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like I'd be much more likely to make a a sauce or a jelly out of them or okay just yeah. bake them into a cobbler kind of thing mm. that's much no, more I my speed pie. i want pie now uh, i 
Actually, I'm realizing this. So my birthday's coming up. I haven't even thought about what I want for dessert. You should get a pie and then mail me a slice. Or I'll have a piece of pie that day just in celebration. Sounds like a good plan. Just a perfect excuse for me to indulge someone else's birthday. The original... so, So at my company, as I think I've said in the past, every month back when we were in person... We would have a monthly celebration of all the birthdays that month, mm-hmm. and and I think there is a bit of a seniority rules kind of thing where the person who happens to have been around long enough in that month has already established what that month's treat is, uh. Uh, and so the person there's another person who has a July birthday who's been around for six seven years maybe yeah I think around seven years. So he he gets the seniority rule of loving our CEO's wife's homemade key lime pie. Oh. And so that's what would always yes. be brought in for the July birthday celebration, mm. which I had no issue with. I, I very much enjoy key lime pie as well. Yeah. It's a good... I mean, sometimes I do just want the sugariest of pies. Like, I just want a real, real nasty French soap pie. Mm. But if I if I feel like more of an that's adult... dirty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, but a key lime pie is a good adult person's pie, where you get enough of the little bit of tartness to make it feel like you're not, you know, being terrible to yourself. To make it feel like you're not basically just having cake masquerading as something more adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> we'll just stop describing things as adult. I think that's probably a good... <laughs> strategy for us to not to not get into weird territory here or else we're gonna end up between a rock and a hard place and just get in trouble somehow hey stop talking about hard things grant it's very explicit (laughs) (laughs) shut up (laughs) you're a little you're a little ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I will go for pie. I'll have to, I'll have to do a little reconnaissance at my local grocery stores to see what's around, and, and then mm-hmm. see if there's any sort of bakery type places that exist that aren't too expensive. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is now that I'm thinking about it, and as I told you before we started recording, I'm taking the day off of work before my birthday. Pie baking day. I feel like this is the first birthday in many years that I've had any real excitement about. And I don't really know why that is. I mean, I guess I can get I can guess why part of it is that I'm not spending it alone or during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that helps a little bit, but I don't know. Or maybe I mean I could spend I can spend a birthday alone and be fine. I think I'm in a place where I have more stuff to do to enjoy my birthday, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Maybe? I don't know. At least I get to go to baseball on my birthday. That's a nice change as well. That used to be a very common thing that I've not been able to do now for a few years. Mm-hmm. Mm. You gonna catch a foul ball? Uh, probably not. Where my seats are, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> gonna catch a home run? Uh, also very unlikely considering my seats are behind home plate, but they're behind uh, home so plate and high enough up. You're gonna catch a real wild pitch. Something like, like that. Really wild. I think the most likely thing would be that a seagull would, like, poop on me, but... <laughs> ah, you're going to catch some fecal matter from the birdies. That's right. R.I.P. Good thing I'm not uh, there. I you will certain- say that uh, the premier thing about 
the baseball stadium in San Francisco is unlike the twin stadium, Target Field, there is actually good ice cream here. Oh, yeah? Yes. They're, they're ice creamer. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the noun version, but we'll just say their supplier of ice cream is Ghirardelli. Hmm. And so your only options, like the only place to get ice cream that I know of is at the, oh, I suppose they also have like dibs at one of the little snack places. And dibs are actually totally fine too. But Wait, what are, are dibs like the little chocolate covered ice cream bits? Exactly. That's exactly what okay. they are. So uh, they have, so the Ghirardelli place, your options are a big waffle cone or a hot fudge sundae. And that's it. No, mm. like, weird souvenir helmets full of the worst soft-serve ice cream that you've ever had. Like, it's all, <laughs> it's all like, scooped ice cream, and it's really good. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even a hot fudge sundae kind of guy, but <laughs> when it's Ghirardelli hot fudge, oh my goodness, it's so, it's so tasty. I'm not a hot fudge sundae kind of guy, but... But twist my arm. <laughs> Douse me in that fudge, boy. We're steering dangerously close to where we said we want to go, Grant. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> You're, you just keep turning into that. No, you were doing it first. I thought that's where you were going with that. Not at all. Oh, I guess that's we're, where we're, I was... getting our, we're getting our signals crossed here. <laughs> Mark, if that was where I was going with it, you'd know. We need a, we need a couple more weeks to sort of realign our <laughs> mental modes. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Need water. Maybe it is me. I don't know. Whew. I don't know. I don't know whose fault it is. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Earlier today, someone misheard me real bad and thought I was saying something kinky as well. So maybe <laughs> it is all me today. <laughs> I think you just give off this real heavy sexual energy. It, it's hard to interpret your actions in any other way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That's very fascinating. Uh huh. That makes me kind of concerned. <laughs> But we'll, we'll, I'm just, you know, we're going to roll with it. We're going to live life how we're going to live it, you know? Yeah, man. That's what you got to do. You got to play with the cards you dealt or whatever the heck. Just hope you're dealt the cards like Daniel Craig in Casino Royale or whatever the heck that Bond movie is. It is Casino Royale. Yeah. Yeah. That, that movie's weird. Like, it's like if in uh, Skyfall. Instead of the movie ending at Skyfall, the entire movie took place in that, like, weird, I don't even know where they were, uh, the, um, like, was it, like, Singapore, Taiwan, I don't remember, but whatever, uh, mm-hmm. kind of stereotypically Asian casino that they went to. generic East Asian yeah, casino. Yeah, with, like, with, like, Komodo dragons in the little, br- like, <laughs> below the little bridge <laughs> on the way mm-hmm. over. Uh, it's weird to have a movie based around a poker game like that. Yeah. I don't even remember it that well because it was just like what it was. Yeah. Like, do people enjoy it if they don't know anything about poker? I don't know. Because I feel like I, I feel like I wasn't really entertained by the movie other than the fact that it was like, oh, it's a James Bond movie. So it's going to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. But like, if it was called something else, I feel like I would have been just super bored by it. That's fair. Yeah, Aaron and I rewatched all of the Daniel Craig, or rewatched most of them, or it's me watching them for the first time, uh, Daniel Craig movies uh, last year. 
Mm. But, you know, I was an adult and I do know how to play poker. So it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Except for the impossibly unlikely hand that happens. Well, you know, it had to happen. It's a movie. Imagine, though, it had they ended it on just like, oh, I have literally nothing. And it's like, oh, I have a pair of threes. <laughs> like, that'd been way more realistic. Would have been probably, but doesn't make for as exciting of a buildup, I suppose. Allegedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be, yeah, it would definitely be much more relatable, but I don't think James Bond is there to be relatable. I don't know. I feel like that's his oh, whole purpose. Yeah, he's he's just the everyman, the everyman, nice guy, Brit. Yeah. <laughs> Your friendly neighborhood, James Bond. <laughs> like, I know exactly what he's going through, you know? Like, I go to museums all the time and meet some, like, sketchy young dude who vaguely insults me while, like, telling me what my next job is. I suppose you ref- you kind of refer to yourself mostly by just the first initial of your name. With the addition oh, of money, but it's not that far off. Yeah. You're kind of like the treasurer. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Grant has brought Chuckle Bros by Brian and Ron Boychuk. Uh, we have a man standing in the doorway to an office with the frosted glass window labeled Barker Construction Limited, the uh, top corner of the door that would, uh, opposite of the hinges, is cut off, and uh, we can see uh, uh, true to nature for Barker Construction Limited, there's sort of an architectural blueprint on the wall next to the man in the doorway. Uh, The man in the doorway is facing another man sitting at a desk with just a telephone and various pieces of paper on it. And the man at the door says, Listen, Bill, we've had some complaints about all the corners you've been cutting. I guess I should point out that there's also a closet in the office that also has a corner cut off the door. Mm-hmm. And, oh, there's another one. There's a vent. There's a table. There's a, The oh, more the, you look, the oh, more Oh, yeah, find. I'm seeing, yeah, the desk. The desk that the man is sitting at has a small corner cut off of the rug in the center does as well oh man right in plain sight even the blueprint has a corner cut off of the frame yeah wowzers it took me a while to notice them notice the first the gift one. that Once keeps you on giving one, it's just like oh wow one what they're really missing out on though just ch- lopping a corner off of the rectangular frame that the comic sits in that would have been good it would have been pretty good hmm I wonder if like when it ran in a newspaper if they requested to do that and the newspaper was like no we don't do that <laughs> I feel like they wouldn't have been so foolish because everyone would have known, no, they're not going to do that. <laughs> Probably. Newspapers are bottom dollar production value. Oof. But this Got isn't em. what I was going to talk about, but we can we can get to what I was going to talk about later. But I just started thinking about something while I was looking at all these objects with corners cut on them. Like, you know, you know people always talk about like cutting corners is like, oh, it's a, oh, you're taking a shortcut, you're like, doing a half measure you're only getting like half of the half of the way there whatever but when you're cutting a corner on something you're really making it like if your goal is to like make corner like if you like corners cutting corners is great because if you cut a corner off you're making two new corners you're increasing the the 
cornerness of the object. Mm-hmm. It you're making it more cornerous, as one might say. Cornery. Cornery. Yes. Uh, I I like cornerous. So what I will need to say, though, if we're talking about this mathematical truth that cutting off a corner, you know, where where one falls to will stand in its place. Uh, the issue there, if there's some metaphor oh, I, to all this. Are, are these not corners anymore? Is that the corners become increasingly difficult to cut once the first one is cut. Yes. Right. You cut off one 90 degree corner. You are left with, if you cut it perfectly, a couple of what, like 115 or no, 135 degree corners. Mm-hmm. And, and the more you cut, the more obtuse they become. And, the, and it becomes much more difficult to cut off any substantial amount. And then eventually, if you keep cutting corners to infinity, you reach a circle, correct? Well, if we're sticking on one corner you'd get something that's rounded if we're going yes every corner uniformly then sure mm-hmm. which like circles are like planets and like the you uni- you're making it more in tune with the universe is what i guess i'm trying to get oh to. is that where we're going with this that's not where i yeah. was going with this <laughs> oh i i could just like feel your aura mark uh-huh. and i could really like sense that's where we needed to take it tonight you mm. know must have read it in your horoscope this morning in the newspaper, the bottom dollar newspaper. No, I didn't say bo- newspaper. No, newspapers are great. I didn't say newspapers are bottom dollar. I just said that they are like bottom dollar production value. Oh. Like there's no there's no frills for like expensive paper or like expensive ink going in newspapers. The All of the production value is in the content, not the way it's made. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if that didn't come across correctly. I love newspapers. I think they're great. I'm very sad they're dying. You don't need to defend them to me. Uh, you're good. Okay, so where are we actually going? Like, what? It, where, where are we actually going with this outside of our uh, astrological view of corner cutting? Well, so I was recently. I've been. I had a few instances where I'm working on a bunch of crap here and there, but like getting to the ends of a bunch of things and like. And at almost every single instance, it's like, oh, I just really want to cut a corner now because I just want to, like, I want to have the triumph of, mm-hmm. like, winning and being, like, not not being done as in, like, oh, I'm done, but, like, being done as that I won and that, like, I completed, the, I did the thing. Um, but, like, I'm trying really hard to resist that temptation. But, like, it's just, I don't know. I've been thinking about corner cutting a lot recently because it's just so easy and so tempting to be, like, I'm so close. I could just, I could just, like, stick the through to two things together and just put a little bit extra glue there and it'd be done mm-hmm. rather than taking like an extra two hours to do it right. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about. So I thought I would just discuss it and make you do all the actual work of thinking about something to talk about. <laughs> but of course. So let me ask you this. Ask away. Where, where do you uh, draw the line between feeling like you're cutting a corner and feeling like you are chasing like perfectionism uh-huh right because I, I i agree that what with what you're talking about with woodworking i i can imagine that it's it's pretty clear in your head certain situations where clearly this is this would be cutting a corner if i did it this way this is not how you are supposed to do it in any way yeah but there are also things that you know like you know 
we both work for companies. Corners have to be cut at times, but it's oh, yeah. but you want to cut them in a way that you can argue both to yourself and to your superiors uh, or other people that are involved with it that you did not cut a corner. You just did something to a certain level of expediency that is good enough. And sometimes like being good enough is what we have to strive for in some situations. But that doesn't always seem like we're not like cutting a corner. You're increasing efficiency. We're making, well, not even that necessarily, but we are making command decisions on what can and cannot happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious where and, and in what situations, like does it, maybe, maybe let's just start here. Does your sense of cutting corners change if it's a personal versus a work thing? Yes. I, I don't know. That was just like my gut instinct was yes, but I don't know if that's true. Um, that's all right. It's a podcast. You you say the words out loud to think through them. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think about it actually more critically this time. Uh-huh. I feel like it's probably somewhat different, but I don't know. I have a hard time justifying that it's different or like what the difference is mm-hmm. in my head. Because I, I do recognize that certainly a factor in whether something would be defined by me as cutting a corner, especially like in personal projects, for example, is like what I envision the correct way of doing it in the first place, whether or not is like it is objectively correct or not. Mm-hmm. It is irrelevant. It's just whether it's like what I thought was right at first or not. Hmm. But there, but there are certainly times like where I'm, I learn throughout a project that something is a better way to do it. And thus, I'm doing something different than what I originally thought was the right way, but it's actually like better and not cutting a corner, even though it's different and easier. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's a different thing. That's, that's just like learning and being better. Do better, bro. Do you feel like here's two slightly different questions? Question number one. Do you think that you are more likely to feel like you're cutting a corner? In personal stuff versus work. So which one do you think you're more likely to feel like, oh, I just cut a corner? And which place do you think you're more likely to cut a corner? Well, I tend not to comment on work stuff on the podcast too much. <laughs> um, well, well, not with identifiable information, but like... <laughs> well, just like the fact that I'm working. I feel like, okay, honestly, I feel like when I'm working and when I cut corners... I don't feel bad about it at all because it's what I was told that I had to do and I argued against it. That is my general experience in most work-related or like not even like my job, like when I was in school and like doing research or something. Hmm. Like most of the time when I'm doing something that I would describe as quote-unquote cutting a corner, it's because I was ordered to do it against my will. Hmm. And a large portion of those times it was probably the right call and i just didn't have the experience or understanding of the situation to recognize that mm-hmm. and so it's good that someone told me to do that but most of the time when i feel like i'm cutting corners in those sorts of situations it's not my decision so i don't have any like personal feelings about it sure if that makes sense. so your subconscious way of enacting your independence to show that you're not just some worker monkey what do you mean by that well, the thing is that, I'm kind of joking, but I think there's also some truth to it, that if you are cutting a corner, you are making a conscious decision to have, like, you are saying to yourself, I have thought about this situation, and I'm going to do this thing. As opposed to, if you just sort of go with whatever has been told to you, 
then you are sort of a not enacting that sort of independence or ability to uh, reason through things. Well, so the situation I'm describing is like there was a way <laughs> that it either obviously should be done or we had discussed doing it and then someone is kind of audibling and changing the plans or with new information is deciding to change the plans. Mm-hmm. And so like it's not that it's not being thought about. It's that it was already thought about and now the direction is changing. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I find it. So, so for my take on the, um, when you feel, when you feel like you can cut corners or what feels like cutting corners, what's with with all the personal stuff that I do, I I feel similar to you where there is an ideal in your mind, but also for a lot of the stuff that I do, there is a process that I have created. And because I have created it, I have complete control over feeling whether it is as efficient as it can be or should be. And whether they're even corners to cut. Mm-hmm. Like when I am dealing with a podcast like this one, and let's say particularly editing and posting, there is a sort of a way to cut corners, technically, in that process. Mm-hmm. But there's no way to cut the corner in a uh, not super noticeable way. Because there's definitely times at work or whatever, you can cut a corner and you can say, oh, we didn't cut a corner. We made a decision, you know, but. (laughs) but, Oh, my God. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, But with stuff that I've kind of built up on my own or with the help of friends or whatever, like there is a certain sense of, well, we wouldn't have given ourselves more than we felt like we wanted to do anyway. Because there's no other party or group of people that we're accountable to. Mm-hmm. So when I decided at the start of this podcast, oh, I'm going to do, you know, the show notes in this way, and there's always going to be chapters available. And over time, I've start, I've edited it in a certain a way, a certain level of um, kind of like a certain a close amount of editing. Uh, and that's developed over time that sets a standard for myself of like I don't even see where I could cut a corner for me mm-hmm. without feeling like I didn't even accomplish the thing that I set out to do mm-hmm. and I can imagine that being the same thing for some of the projects that you work on particularly some of the more like physical projects um, like you yeah. are you know you have this ideal in your mind and if you skimp on some step even if it could theoretically look the same or work very similarly, you know that it's there. And even if the audience isn't there to like the audience of whatever you made mm-hmm. never notices, you know that it's there and it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could probably edit this show like in a pinch. I could quote unquote edit this show in five minutes, Yeah, which would basically be, trim whatever intro outro we do find the points where we transition to com comics and just leave any other big long pauses or ums and ahs or anything else and just not worry about it and Mm -hmm. most people probably wouldn't care it wouldn't matter but i would feel like i hadn't done what i had set out to do if i didn't put in a bit more work 
to edit it fully. I feel like while you were talking there, you kind of hit on, for me, where, like, is my separation between, like, corners that I'm willing to cut in personal projects and corners that I'm not. And for me, it's the line between, like, is this just affecting the vision that I had for it in my mind? Or is this affecting how, like, a lay person who doesn't know what my vision is, how they would see and experience and use this thing? The other way I I like to think about it is, like, the, like, I want to make things that are perfect from afar, but it's fine if they're far from perfect. (laughs) So, like, I'm okay if it's far from perfect as long as it's perfect from afar. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not quite sure how that, like, if that principle plays into the things that I do. Like, I'm trying to think of that Uh, in the editing part, probably. Where specifically editing a podcast episode, first, not enough people listen to it for there to even be a um, <laughs> enough people to point out weird inconsistencies, I don't think. But also, the nature of listening to a podcast like this is you're not just sitting down and being like, let me listen to this and do nothing else. Yeah, let's let's fixate on this and have it be everything in our life at this moment. Yeah, it's always kind of in the background. And... Over time, the more that I've edited podcasts and I notice the things that I do or you do when we talk that just kind of starts to bug you because you never hear tell it me. all the time. Please I'm not never going tell to, me. but I, I am burdened with that knowledge. And then I start to notice it in other podcasts at times of like, ooh, I would have cut that. Uh-huh. And it's very frustrating. And so I try to blink that out. But but once it's in my head now, I have to deal with those things when they come up, or at least give them some amount of brain space. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always that's weird, and and I and it's hard for me to separate that from what the experience is as a listener, because more and more I don't casually listen to every podcast in the same way. I still mm-hmm. try to. Most of the time it doesn't actually bother me, but there are definitely times where there are certain things that come up in a podcast, certain ways of talking or whatever that I'm like, oh man, I would have tightened that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Depends on the show as well. Like Speaking I, I remember, no, no, I, I have one more thing to say about this okay, and then I'll go. let you transition, which is uh, specifically talking about OHAC. I remember the first episode that I edited where I was like, dang, I did a lot of cuts. And that was the Star Wars episode that you were on. The Star Wars uh, role-playing game that you played with us. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. No, no, it's not your fault. It was, but it was like, I remember seeing like, oh, wow, I got like over a thousand cuts on Jack's track over that like three-hour period. The most recent episode of OHAC that I just got done editing last weekend is an hour and a half in length. So it's half as long and nobody's track out of the three of us. And this is just the three of us. We played a text adventure for part of it. So that's a little abnormal, but nothing crazy. None of us. It's definitely not as crazy as a role playing game. Uh, None of our tracks had fewer than I think like 1300 cuts. Jesus. Because I've, over time, I've added more and more things that I try and clean up, like little bits, because I get faster and faster. And so there's always just little bits of tweaking that I do as I'm listening. Mm-hmm. All the time. So, 
that was just that's just kind of a, a funny thing of I will never give my I will never edit faster because I always end up taking the the same amount of time of like it takes me a little longer than it does to just listen through to through the entire episode because all I do is just listen to the entire episode once but as I'm listening I am tweaking things and maybe going back a few seconds at a time to listen to whatever I just changed. Mm-hmm. But I edit very linearly front to back. Hmm. Uh, and so it always takes me just a little bit longer than the, than the entire length of the episode. It's just that over time I've been able to cram more and more things to do in that time. Speaking of other fun facts... <laughs> Mark brought Kilbin's Cats by B. Clibin. Oh, Cl- we're just going to pretend that's how you say their names. <laughs> um, and the fun fact is how to draw a cat. Uh, oh, wait, a quat? How to draw a quat? <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't think this was what was going to mess me up. That's a cue. If it makes you feel any better, I didn't notice until now that it was a Q. How how do you pronounce Q-A-T? I don't know how to pronounce a Q without a U. Cat? Should it be a hard C? We're going to go with that. How to draw a cat. Step one. Draw three circles, one on top of another, like a snowman. So they're big at the bottom and they get smaller near the top. Step two. Atop the smallest circle on top of the snowman stack... Draw two uh, little uh, appendages sticking out as presumably ears. Step three. Draw a worm attached to the largest bottom circle on the bottom as a tail. And you have a quat. I think the first comment is right. Just add ears and a tail to a snowman. That's the easiest way to describe it. That's not a cat. I'm sorry. Well, they didn't claim it was a cat. I am artistically challenged, but I can do that. <laughs> are you are you becoming a, a artist now, Mark? So I, I was. I know you just said you're artistically challenged, but I'm curious what your no, relationship to art was growing up. We're just drawing in particular. Um, n- not super close. <laughs> like we were, we were acquaintances, and like we could get along if we had to, but like. We weren't like hanging out outside of school just for funsies too much. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we had mutual friends and like we could appreciate each other, but mm-hmm. we weren't that, like. That, that is a, okay. That, that's an interesting thing. How much do you feel like you appreciate art, particularly like visual art? Is what I'm talking about. Oh, as like a as a young person or an adult, I think probably more than the average person. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think art is cool, and, like, I can certainly get enjoyment out of experiencing art, but there is a point where, I don't know, oh, I'm just going to not get into that. That'll get into the philosophy of what art is. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't have a good answer for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I'm just like all in the philosophy of art and thinking back to the last time I was to an art museum and just the disaster of an experience that that was. Oh? Um, I feel like I had to have told you about this at the time, but I might not have to save my dignity. But uh, I was at the Art Institute 
in Chicago mm-hmm. with a few other people. And we were going through rooms and stuff. We were in like, it was like the modern art area or exhibit or something. It was like, it was all modern art. Like there were, there was a painting with just like two colors on it somewhere. And it was just like, Oh wow, that's art. Ooh, cool. Um, but so we were going through these room after room of this modern art, de- getting deeper and deeper. And I don't know if you've ever been to the art Institute, but it's like these, it was like big white square rooms with art on the walls yep. and they like kind of connect and, you I've can, at least seen that kind of art gallery in movies. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you're going through them, and there's, like, a security guard in kind of every room just standing there making sure people aren't, like, effing things up or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going through, like, trying to appreciate the art and, like, do my best, whatever. It's not, like, the art that's most speaking to me the most or anything. Mm-hmm. But I get to this room, and in, in, like, one of the back rooms, there's there's this piece of art in, like, the corner. And it was, like... All of them had been on walls and not like in corners. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. So like, I was just kind of standing there and like looking at it. And it was like the piece of art that I spent the longest time looking at in that entire like series of rooms. I was standing there for like 10, 15 minutes looking at this piece of art, like kind of thinking about it and like trying to figure out what's going on. Cause it was like this little table in the corner and everything else was like a picture on the wall pretty much. And then like one of the people that was there with came over and was like kind of stood next to me and looked at what I was looking at. And we kind of like murmured back and forth to us. And then all of a sudden a security guard came over and tapped me on the shoulder and said, just so you know, that's not art. That's the humidifier controller or humidity controller. (laughs) (laughs) And I was standing there for like not even exaggerating at least 10 minutes staring at the freaking like humidity controller in this freaking room. I would say I would say that that was a bit of performance art right there. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> it was a it was a great experience. I will never forget it. Um, <laughs> you should have responded with like, yeah, but like, what does it mean? <laughs> but but like, look at the lines of it. Like, it the has execution to mean something. is flawless. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Just, I don't was... I don't think you've told me that story. <laughs> yeah, and then. And then after this happened, like, we scurry out of that room embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I noticed there's, like, one in, like, every third room. Yeah. I just haven't noticed them all day until that one. Yeah. And then I just, like, stared at it for forever. At least you have the benefit of someone joined you and also didn't notice. Yeah. So you have a little bit of saving grace there. <laughs>